0: OTB GAA. one of the fathers was mentioning the cows at half six or seven on the, on the, on the Monday morning, they started crying that we'll just have to win in a county final yesterday. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. O-T-B-, OTB AM. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. It's time for Around the World with Shane Hannon. <laughs> Everyone's
1: favourite time of the week? Everyone's favourite time. Yeah, well, my favourite time of the week. Um, around the world, where we visit some uh, exotic locations on this globe of ours, and uh, maybe visit some of the, the sporting stories we may have missed from around the world across the last seven days or so. I'm fairly loose with the, with the links. Quite tenuous, they can be at times. But it's our quirky sporting segments. Segment that we love to do once a week on OTB AM. Uh, I'm going to start this week, Jer, in the United States of America. A bit of baseball for you, a sport we don't get to touch on too often on, on the show, but um, Aaron Judge, he's a baseball player, uh, his record-breaking 60-second home run ball has been sold at auction. It got me thinking about sporting memorabilia and items and how much they're worth and what price we, we put on them. Like we were talking on the show the other morning about him up Mbappe's hat hat-trick ball. I assume he picked up the ball for his hat-trick. Yeah. He surely did. There's obviously like 15 different balls used during the game. So. Yeah, but it's, I guess it's a World Cup final ball. Hopefully yeah. someone had the, the sense to get him the ball and get the French team to sign it for him. Uh, but th- this record-setting home run ball sold for $1.5 million. Uh, the prized memorabilia offered by Golden Auctions. The bidding closed on Saturday night. So a guy called Corey Eumanns. Now he's a very uh, well-to-do man himself who happened to catch the ball in the left field seats at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas uh, a number of months ago. He turned down a private offer of $3 million because he said, I want to give people a fair chance at buying it. Uh, so put it up for auction, ends up only making $1.5 million. Um, but as I said, this guy's quite rich anyway. He just happened to catch the ball. So you can't feel too sorry for him. Um, so he set this American League record of 62 home runs. Uh, on October 4th in Texas. So this surpassed Roger Maris's 61-year-old mark of 61 back in 1961. Um, so, it, look, it's one of those things. There's, there's a YouTube channel if my brother watches. Zach Hempel is the guy's name, where he goes around different baseball grounds in America just trying to catch baseballs and uh, positioning himself in certain parts of the ground where he can make that possible. And the collection of balls, the thousands of balls he has, uh, some of which are quite famous, like when you catch a home run ball or a record-setting home run ball like this. Um, clearly, then that ball can be sold at auction for a, for a pretty pretty penny. So it's a job essentially going yeah. down to these baseball grounds and trying to catch the ball. Sometimes he gives them off to young kids who maybe when he gets a, when he gets an extra. Um, the, the number sixty-two, the sixty-two home runs that Aaron Judge uh, achieved back in October, it, it's not actually a record. Um, Major league baseball players have on occasion hit more homers in a season. We've got Sammy Sosa with sixty-six. Mark Maguire with 70 and Barry Bonds with 73 Um, Now the asterisk that is placed over those three uh, is that they were linked to allegedly using performance-enhancing drugs Uh, Barry Bonds, the the Home Run King uh, as he was dubbed uh, convicted back in 2011 I think it was of obstruction of justice for lying to a grand jury about using steroids and human growth hormone Um, So that's why the 62 Home Runs of Iron Judge is actually an historic number
0: a little bit of um, so Aaron Judge obviously uh, signed a fat contract like it was 350 million for 10 years with the Yankees but he was supposed to sign with San Francisco Giants he was always like ah oh, San Francisco was my favourite team when I was a kid I always wanted to sign for them and then all of a sudden the Yankees came in with a ooh this is your offer really? yeah. overnight uh, overnight the San Francisco Giants had um, Carlos Correa who was going to be his replacement in mm. and like oh, don't worry everybody calm down Okay, so we didn't get Aaron Judge We're going to get Carlos Correa And then uh, Carlos Correa Is just signed for somebody else Overnight as well So the San Francisco Giant fans Not so happy this morning That's twice they've been
1: jilted But um, The fickle, fickle nature of sport um, Yeah, it's one of those things Baseball fans often get let down By big money And the money in baseball Is quite quite insane Which is why this, this story Caught my eye Now that uh, Mark Maguire I mentioned um, His 70th home run ball From 1998 Was sold For 3.05 million dollars Back in 98 To Todd McFarlane uh, the amazing Spider-Man comic book artist and writer uh, he's the one who bought it uh, that was uh, the most expensive ball ever and, and record still stands so yeah one and a half million got me thinking what do you have out there in your closet what do you have that's sitting at home that could be worth a pretty penny I'm someone that, that like to collect autographs and little bits of, of memorabilia I have a piece, bit of dirt from Fenway Park in a little bag they were doing up the pitch and some of the red dirt they
0: have you ever tried to get a valuation on any of this stuff
1: no I, do it, I have a Muhammad Ali signed love that his manager gave me in Vegas over the summer That I would imagine is probably the One of the more expensive items Is it? Uh, you see some of them are up on, on eBay for certain prices um, But because Of the provenance Which is the proof you have That yeah. it's authentic I mean being given to me by, by his manager is, is my provenance and proof So I don't know what the price of an, of an Ali Signed Love is But it's, it's something that's only going to um, Go up in value I'd imagine over the years Definitely, people at home have have and people watching this morning have, have things worth.
0: 145 a bit more. euros on eBay at the moment see, for sign
1: glove. See a lot of those are. like Show me the certificate of authenticity. Show me the the things that prove that that's Ali's signature, and it's not just a copy or someone sitting in their basement practicing his signature over and over. Yeah, I've got the proof, Jer. So that's. Uh, look, money can't buy happiness either, and it's, it's sitting at home and.
0: Fifteen hundred is another one. Maybe that's is that getting closer? That's to getting you? closer. Thought, oh,
1: I'm interested now. That's getting closer. Yeah, yeah, I still wouldn't wouldn't part with it. Um, but that's story number one Jer. do you have anything at home Cassius Clay signed Everlast Glove ah uh, yeah the, the the old signature 1426 euros see it's the same with uh, with Buzz Aldrin so Buzz Aldrin he his, changed his name as well well yeah his his, his real name is Edwin Aldrin um, Edwin Eugene Aldrin and when he was younger when he was a kid I think his, his little sister couldn't pronounce the word brother she used to call him Buzzer and that was shortened then to Buzz Right. and he became Buzz of course which is a great astronaut name makes sense and, and hence Buzz Lightyear became who he was in Toy Story but um, he, he often signed he of course still signs as Buzz Aldrin but if you can find an old signature of Edwin Aldrin it's worth way more ah, it's worth more and it's uh, it's certainly signed in the, in the 60s, 70s that kind of era
0: so tell us your stories of sports tat this morning
1: and we'll, uh, we'll try and put a value on your sports tat indeed we're next headed in around the world this morning on this Wednesday morning to Dubai um, Scott McTominay is uh, getting himself in a little bit of bother there's a photograph on screen of him uh, holding a, a rope in a, in a, in a tug-of-war scenario. Now, at the other end of that rope was a full-blown tiger at an exotic zoo. So, uh, taking some advantage, Scott, of his uh, time off before the return of Premier League action. He headed to Dubai with his girlfriend. Uh, fair enough. Uh, paid a visit to this uh, private fame park, it's called, to get up close and personal with a number of exotic animals. Um, some some snaps shared by McTominay on his uh, social media account uh, raised a few eyebrows. Um, fairly innocent in some quarters, some people didn't seem to care or notice. Uh, He's petting monkeys, he's uh, got a snake around his neck. Um, But after posting this uh, footage and photos from the trip, some animal charities and football fans as well um, were lining up to um, express their disappointment with the Scotland international midfielder. Um, Catherine Wise of World Animal Protection saying, It's disappointing, these incredible animals are not commodities to gain likes on social media. Captive wild animals face a lifetime of suffering just for the enjoyment of tourists, wild animals are not ours to exploit. They belong in the wild. Another uh, from the Four Paws charity said, "It's so upsetting to see someone who so many people look up to acting in this way." And the Humane Society International saying facilities excuse their human versus beast experiences, like tug of war, as helpful for uh, for welfare by mimicking natural behaviours, but it does have a, a strange vibe to it. And I looked up this uh, this fame parks website and the uh, the guy in Dubai who runs it. And the entire social media, massive following in social media, but they're all like footballers and celebrities and it's like he just brings in people with a with a large social media following to get the photos, take the picture, post it on their social media, and increase awareness of this this park in Dubai. So perhaps inadvertently Scott McTominay's landed himself in a little bit of bother. Yeah. Uh uh okay. Yeah. James
0: James Cruz has a Brazil jersey signed by Jarzinho and DJ Carey.
1: Oh right, sorry by Jorginho and dj Kerry. yeah well it's it's definitely a unique piece a one of a kind piece um <laughs> I used to yeah i that, that's that's a very good one Madikash has
0: um Messi and mbappe from this world cup, right put them together yeah the jerseys put them together in the same thing get them signed
1: yeah yeah is there anyone you would um Obviously, we're professional in this in this uh, broadcasting game, but is there anyone you would actually ask no. for an autograph or selfie? No, no. Oh, for a selfie? Well, either one. Yeah. Well, um. So you dismiss autograph there as if nah. Well, not 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 sports related. You can't, you can't do it in sport. True. Yeah, yeah. For professionalism reasons. Yeah. 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 So who would you do it outside like outside of sport? Uh, I'll,
0: I'll give me two names. Stevie Van Zant was upstairs. I got one with him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Big Big Sopranos fan.
1: Fair. Like, fair. Uh, yeah. And uh,
0: uh, I'm just completely blanking on his name.
1: I'm uh, a big Breaking Bad fan, so I did get um, Brian Cranston. At once, selfie with him. Where was that? That was over in London at a book signing. He was signing autographs, and we bonded over the fact that he has ancestry in uh, County Armagh. And I was like, I'm pretty close to County Armagh.
0: You, you bonded? I was he born was like, in County
1: Armagh, in fact. So we, we, here's my stick: stay away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, no personal space. Yeah. <laughs> Friends with Heisenberg. I'm going to stick that on my on my LinkedIn. Uh, yeah there's certain people I regret it I remember Roger Moore Was in the office one day uh, Before he passed away and I, and I didn't get a photo with him And I, I regretted that I, reg- I did regret it I was like
0: Was that That little Bono lookalike In, in uh, Yeah Yeah yeah.
1: It fooled a lot of people I think in, 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 the, uh, in the office We still haven't collected Our winnings On that not being him but anyway Yeah Go on Next Yeah So we'll move on to uh, well, Back to America In fact The USA Camille Heron is not a name uh, that most of you will, will be familiar with. That's her in the, uh, the image on screen if you're watching us. Um, she put her heart and soul into breaking the 100 mile world record. But, officials now say, the course was too short. Can you imagine this? So, she crossed the finish line at the uh, Jackpot Ultra Running Festival's 100 mile race in Henderson, Nevada. This was back in February. Uh, and she did so as the outright winner. She beat all the male competitors as well. World record time. Um, so, a staggering average pace For 100 miles, consider this, of 7 minutes and 37 seconds per mile. So, her time of 12 hours, 41 minutes and 11 seconds, almost a minute and a half faster than the record she had previously set back in 2017. But, as far as the record books were concerned, her efforts appeared to be in vain. In October, they remeasured the course, which looped around Henderson's Cornerstone Park, and then officials from USA Track and Field deemed it was short by 716 feet which is 218 metres. You imagine running 100 miles and being told months later after your world record has been set Ah sorry, you were 716 feet short. Now she has, and the reason I'm talking about it now is because she has only recently come out uh, criticising these inaccuracies as wrong. She said, I definitely wanted to count as a record because I put my heart and soul into it. Such an historical moment for the sport. She remains adamant that she ran at least 100 miles that day. That view is shared, of course, by her husband and coach Connor Holt. She, um, uh, Holt said it was a public park on the day she was having to weave around people so you know people out walking their dogs there was baby strollers the park was full it wasn't a set course on the day so 716 feet or 218 metres they argue was easily made up in the weaving around people and, yeah. and things and yeah. items, Come on, which I think is fair um, and, and then the race director uh, it's not like
0: a little chip that she could have been wearing that would have done exactly this
1: well this, that would have you know solved everything you'd, you'd imagine get but the stats boards crew on it and they'd be like oh no it's 101 miles what are yeah, you talking about they just used the they just used the course which doesn't seem too accurate or too um, technical but the, the co-race director said the uh, the course was remeasured by a course uh, measurement official on February 27th certified as 100.00396 miles which was accurate 8 months later then the course was remeasured once more and yielded this distance shy of uh, 100 miles um, but of course she believes now that the, that the record from from uh, back in February, and the course measurement from February should stand. So, look, I feel for anyone who's run a marathon or even run five k to be told that it was feet short. It would it uh, would ruin your happiness. But to run hundred miles and then to be told, nah, sorry, your 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 record doesn't stand. Um, Martin Sheen was in the office. He was another one that I. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Apocalypse Now. That's really it. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple that I would definitely. Um, I would get the selfies with autographs and. Followed Quentin Tarantino into the cinema one time. Did you? Did yeah. Bit creepy. Bit creepy, but
0: well, we were just there was there was a few of us, so it was fine. Did you didn't get a photo? No, he doesn't do photos.
1: Quentin doesn't. No. Did you say hello to him or get a? We were stuff?
0: watching other people ask for photos, and he was like, "Oh, I don't really do that, but I'll take your hand." And we were like, "That's creepy."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah, when it's that organised, it's not great. Um, I remember that someone got the Mayo jersey and was it Knock Airport signed by Pope Francis? Like that's uh, you're talking about the Jorginho DJ Kerry thing. That's a unique one of one item. Someone out there has a jersey, a male jersey signed by the Pope. Yeah. So Not in. a huge... Maybe there is a big market for that. Maybe that's a huge... Oh, Pope signatures on, online are... Are they big? That's big, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a big uh, right. big thing. And US President's is another massive, massive one. Barack right. Obama signature is fairly uh, financially lucrative if you can get it. Is it? Yeah. Who's buying this crap? I mean, the first African-American president, that's going to be worth something it's in 50 years. He just signed something, like... What? I know, but if you someone handed you a piece of paper right now signed by... Um, you can go to the National Museum and see certain items signed by, you know, East Rising Leaders or the Treaty signed by, by Collins. That is like an actual
0: historical document
1: as opposed to a scrap of
0: paper. You know, the the bit where he signs uh, Obamacare into law, right? That document. Or the Good Friday Agreement signed... F, F, Friend of mine has a copy of the Good Friday Agreement signed by everybody who was involved in it, and um, that's an important historical document. Like an original I can, signature. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whoa. But like, you know, I got your autograph, sir, in my autograph book. I'm sorry, this is your entire youth. I'm pissing on here. I don't mean
1: to. No, but no, 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 but I, I no, see. Not, your not, I don't see the. For you, it's important, right? I see your point. Well, no. I have photographs of astronauts on the moon signed by them, so that's a document, I guess. It's not a document, it's, it's, a fo- it's a photo of them in context. Yeah. But then again, like, if you have a piece of paper signed by Joseph Plunkett or James Connolly, just a piece of paper, I mean, it's still an historical document years later, 100 years later. Uh, okay, well, agree to disagree. Autographs. If you're collecting autographs out there, listen to me. Hold on to them. Don't listen to Jer. And the final place we're going with uh, around the world on uh, this morning's segment is to Portugal. Uh, that guy in that photograph, um, his name is Matt Formston. The, um, the thing about him is he's blind. Look at the size of the waves behind him. So this is in, uh, he's an Australian surfer, this is in Portugal. Uh, one of the, uh, the holy grails, Nazare in, in Portugal. Where people go for, for some of the, the hugest waves in the world. Now imagine doing that with, with full eyesight. And then imagine trying to do it um, blind. He's one of the best disabled surfers in the world. 44 years of age, Matt Formiston, this Aussie. Um, he's always dreamed of being a professional surfer. Uh, he's got macular dystrophy in his eyes. So he says he grew up with full vision. And then when he was about 5 years old lost 95% of his peripheral vision, which is the outsides of your vision of course, and all of his central vision. Uh, so he says, if you put your fist in front of your, uh, your eyes, which blocks out all of your central vision, I can only see the outsides. But of that, if you blurred it out, make it blurry, it's all blurry, like rubbing your windscreen with uh, with sandpaper as he describes it. Um, so this was in November at the age of 44, he added, "Surfs holy grail in Portugal, waves up to 12 metres tall to his uh, collection. Um, as he puts it most sighted surfers don't really want anything to do with uh, the waves in uh, Nazareth and Portugal uh, he, he doesn't consider himself exceptional he says when conditions are really good many surfers stay out well after the sun goes down so they surf like me in the dark I just do it every day um, I think he's downplaying his achievements there uh, he trained extensively for this as well worked on his breathing ultimately able to hold his breath for up to five minutes which is quite extraordinary um, jet skis towing, out to the, towing him out to the spot where the waves break uh, a really really incredible human being uh, and his next dream is to see Parasurfing making its Paralympic debut in 2028 in Los Angeles. So that's his hope. Um, he is someone who uh, has already been at the Paralympic Games. He was a cycling Paralympian in the 2016 Games in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. So really impressive person that I thought uh, deserved a mention because uh, when you look at those waves and the photo of him on the water and you consider the fact that he has uh, very little eyesight, it's uh, quite extraordinary. Those waves are absolutely
0: amazing. Right, that's this week's episode of Around the World with Shane Hannon.